0: And this afternoon we continue with our, uh, on the sermons on James, where the Apostle James also speaks about the trials and difficulties that come into our life and how we are to count it all joy and that we are to have a heart of wisdom in order to do so. And the passage of Proverbs 2 speaks to that. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So far the reading of Holy Scripture. Let us now sing Psalm 4, the stanzas 2 and 3. I may proclaim to you the word of our God as we find that in James chapter 1, the verses 5 through 8. And to see them in the context of what we dealt with this morning, we'll begin our reading at verse 1. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So far. After the sermon, we will sing Psalm 119, the stanzas 14, 19, and 27. Theme for the sermon is the Holy Spirit's further instruction on how we are to accept trials. And we will look at two things. We are to first, ask for a heart of wisdom, and second, be unwavering in faith. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when the gospel of salvation takes hold of us, it radically changes and transforms how we think, speak, act, and react James, the brother of our Lord Jesus, discovered this for himself in a very real and living way. He views himself as a servant of Jesus and as a brother to those Christians to whom he writes. What he has in the Lord Jesus changes how he thinks and speaks and acts. And James wants his readers to know that the radical, transforming power of faith in Jesus must change how we react to trials, troubles, and tribulations. The afflictions we face in life do not destroy us, but prod us out of our security and test the genuineness of our faith and trust in the Lord. Difficulties and hardships come upon every Christian in one way or another. Now, for some, the struggles are obvious to others, and others suffer in silence. Martin Luther is one example of an individual who outwardly appeared to have it all together, but inwardly struggled going through periods of time when he doubted whether he was truly being used by the Lord. And yet we today have the evidence how the Lord helped him through times such as these. For it was during an eight-month period of major depression that he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God. The weak man behind a mighty fortress found in God, a bulwark never failing. Trials teach every child of God to cling to the Lord, to believe that he is faithful and that he goes with us through the good and the bad. In fact, the Lord carries us through the most desperate situations. Trials are never meaningless, but designed to produce a persistence of spirit that holds on under pressure while waiting God's time. The Lord tests our faith to produce endurance for greater service so that we may be complete and lacking in nothing. Trials can be excruciatingly difficult And can totally change the course of our lives. Severely tried saints are often extremely tired saints. And though they are convinced that in the end good will come out of all their afflictions. Yet for the present they may be distracted and at their wits end. Sometimes it can be very difficult for us to see any good in trials. It's one thing to know that God works all things for the good of those who love him. But it is quite another to put this into practice in the nitty-gritty of life when pain is piercing and almost unbearable and we feel sick to the pit of our stomachs. How can we count it all joy when we are met with trials of various kinds? Sometimes it may not even appear to be remotely realistic to say the way we concluded this morning, how can I keep from singing? How can I be encouraged or told to say this when my heart feels heavy, stressed and sad? Joy and trials, those two seem as far removed from each other as the East is from the West. How can those two be connected? Well, the only way those two can be connected is when we insert a connecting word. And that word is wisdom. And this is where James takes us in the verses of our text. He's not changing the subject in verse 5 when he says, If any of you lacks wisdom. But he takes his readers one step further. It is the wisdom of God that connects joy and trials. Here's the point that's being made. Only the wisdom of God enables me to connect the dots. To link joy and trials and the realities they express. Only the wisdom of God allows me to taste and see that the Lord is good, even when I least expect it. Jesus, who is my wisdom, gives me joy, because through trials he allows me to grow as I learn to see more clearly his gracious purpose. Now I'm sure that all of you are well versed Enough in scripture to know that wisdom is essential to life before the face of God. But especially when we are confronted with situations and circumstances that threaten to throw us off course. Wisdom teaches us to see the present in the light of God's work in the past and his gracious purposes for the future. It helps believers see things within the bigger picture of God's plan. Wisdom gives you the strength to stand firm, trusting in the Lord. And it gives you the insight to take appropriate actions. In wisdom, we see, we stand, we act We persevere because we come to understand that God is busy with something that is much bigger than what is going on in my immediate circumstance. And wisdom also involves a very special way of thinking and speaking about God as the one who supplies us with what we need to persevere. The wonderful blessing is that you may request such wisdom from God in the knowledge that he will give it freely, generously, graciously. That's his promise. And notice the extent of the Lord's promise. James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom... Well, that's a phrase so wide and extensive that whatever may be our necessity, whatever the dilemma which perplexes us, this text consoles us and comforts us and directs us to go to the Lord. Let him ask of God. No child of God is shut out. Part of our witness to the world, to a world filled with suffering, is to let others know that there is a way of connecting joy and trials. And what James writes is not merely one option for coping with life's trials and difficulties. It's the only way. And that is why he states it as a command and an imperative. We all lack the wisdom we need. And so we need to pray and ask for it in the certainty that only the Lord can give what we lack. Trials are intended to drive us to God so that we ask, so that we depend on him and trust in him. And praying for wisdom allows us to respond properly to whatever is sent upon us in this veil of tears. When the Lord strips away your earthly securities, he does it so that you might find fullness of joy in Christ. He places you under the sharp edge of his surgeon's knife. So that through the operation of the Holy Spirit, he might heal you of all your diseases. He makes you feel the burden of your guilt. So that you might see the infinite value of his grace. And James encourages us to see who the Lord is. He gives wisdom to those who ask in faith. Well, maybe you have a hard time viewing God that way. You have approached him so many times before and it didn't appear to change anything. So now you are content to retreat even as you try to cope with adversities on your own. Maybe you view yourself as entirely unworthy of God's grace. You're ashamed to ask him for anything until you have made some progress in getting your life back together. Well, to all of this, James tells us to ask, because God's nature is to give. Remember during such times the wisdom of the Lord revealed so powerfully at the cross of our Savior? There's a way open to the throne of God's grace because my sins have been paid in full by Christ, who is my wisdom. James, as an instrument of the Holy Spirit, instructs us not to lose hope, but to keep praying for wisdom. And what he is saying is as simple as this When you go through a trial, The place to turn is to God. I'm not told to come with my report card in hand. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I ask for wisdom. Trusting that God will give me what I need. Generously. In the hour of my affliction. He will give from the storehouses of his resources and when he gives, I will never be in want. When Christians go through troubles, their first response is often to run to some other human resources and that can serve a purpose, but it should never be an end in itself. Running to friends or family, going for counseling, reading books and articles, looking for some help through blogs and shared links can be of benefit, but only if such resources direct you to the wisdom of God. The Lord uses people as his means to help each other, but the means should never become an end in itself. One of the great promises given to a believer is that the Lord gives wisdom to those who ask in faith. God gives it to those who trust he will provide. And therefore, brothers and sisters, ask for wisdom to see God's purpose in trials so that you may come through trials strengthened in faith when the godly stephen stood before a mob of angry and contentious men they sought to argue with him and silence his gospel witness and then luke records in acts but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking So there we have it. No matter who we are or how many sins we have committed, we must ask God to provide us with wisdom. Many times we get down and disappointed because we lack wisdom, but have not asked God for it. But what about those times when we feel too weak and downcast to pray? Well, that's when the Lord graciously gives others to pray for you. Later in this letter, James says that in such circumstances, you should seek the help of your elders. Is any among you weak? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And the prayer of faith will save the weak man and the Lord will raise him up. We read in chapter five. The heart of the Lord is filled with generosity and he will supply you richly with what you need in the face of trials. When you're confronted with trouble and trials, go to God in prayer. But even as you pray, remember this, receiving the wisdom of God does not mean that you will all of a sudden understand all things perfectly. How can you when the Lord with so many threads is weaving together his plan and purpose in your life and in his church. You and I may never fully understand in this life God's purpose for trials. But with the wisdom of God implanted in our hearts we fight bitterness and we trust that the Lord, our God, knows what's best. But let's move on. For our text also indicates that the Lord does not reproach us for asking him for wisdom. Our God holds back nothing. He gives liberally, generously, without reservation. He never says, well, have it your way. I shouldn't be doing this, but out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to grant you what you want, and I hope you appreciate it. The Lord promises to give the wisdom needed to help a believer persevere through trials, to hold fast in faith without wavering or doubting. In verse 6, there's a condition added. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Praying to the Lord for wisdom, you must believe that the Lord alone has the power to help you. You are to ask in faith without doubting, disputing, or debating. You're to believe that the Lord is not feeding you with some idealistic outlook on life when he tells you to consider it all joy when you meet various trials. Our sinful human hearts want to argue with the Lord about why he acts the way he does. We certainly feel that way when a trial disrupts our tranquil and peaceful lives. We feel he owes us an explanation. You and I don't want trouble and anxiety interrupting what we are doing. It's no fun at all. Quite frankly, it's a nuisance. Now, we have to understand that the Lord is under no obligation to explain to us the exact reasons for a particular affliction. Something in your life doesn't pan out the way You'd like it to. That's no reason for debate with God or rebellion against God. We must approach the Lord convinced that he knows best and with the prayer that he teach us to accept his will and his purpose. And what we need to keep in mind as well is this. Through trials, our faith in him will be stronger than it ever could have been if we had not endured trials. Doubting God, his ability to help, or his purpose in trials, that sends us into a sea of uncertainty. James says a person who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Periodically, we are all assaulted with doubts that can stem from insecurity or a lack of assurance. But we may not fuel those doubts. Let them fester or encourage them to grow by challenging what the Lord has ordained for our life or making conclusions that have no biblical basis. We need to tell ourselves off from time to time. For example, we should never say, Oh, the Lord is doing to the, this to me because, well, he hates me. He wants me to go to hell. As if. We know before we say those words that we are uttering stuff and nonsense. There is no basis for making such statements. In fact, the Lord sends trials upon us to prepare us for heaven and for the new earth. We must have complete confidence in the covenant Lord and what he has established with us from our youth. Otherwise, we will go up and down on the emotional roller coaster of Christian experience. The Lord instructs us to ask in faith for wisdom, believing he will complete what he has begun in our life. We're to set forth in the confidence that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, to quote Philippians 1 verse 6. The the verses 6 and 7 of our text sum up where things are at with one who doubts and is unstable. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. A double-minded person is a person who has aspirations for God, but deep down wants his or her own way. Literally, such a person is double-souled. Such individuals are not satisfied with the Lord and his ways and are unstable in all they do. They remain restless until what is double is united into one so that they have a single-minded trust in the Lord. Those who are double-minded are tossed around by the waves of doubt. When things are going well, they ride the waves and they conclude... He loves me. But the moment things get stormy, the double-minded conclude, He loves me not. And so they're tossed back and forth. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And what's worse, such double-minded people are suggesting God himself cannot be trusted. That there are indeed times When he loves me and other times that he doesn't. To receive wisdom from the Lord calls for an undivided heart. A single-hearted devotion and love for the Lord. Throughout our life, there's no middle ground between faith and doubting. In chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle James calls the double-minded person to repentance Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, he writes, and purify your hearts, you men of double mind. You and I must put our complete trust in the Lord and believe that the work of Christ encompasses our entire life. On Christ, the solid ground, I stand, all other ground Is shifting sand. In him I have the certainty. That God is always for me. Did he not display the greatest act of generosity at the cross? He gave Jesus. Even though we did not ask for him in faith. He sent him. For the greatest trial of God-forsakenness, so that our joy should be complete, and knowing what He was willing to give for our salvation, will He not give us all things in Christ? Is there any reason to doubt that He will provide us with all things in Him? Brothers and sisters, you have heard. The Lord's furthered instruction on how to accept trials. James helps us connect the dots. Well, let us believe with all our hearts that he who began a good work will continue working in our lives. Yield your heart to Christ and have the confidence that he gives freely and gives exactly what you need to endure whatever trial comes your way. Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life. Well, let me conclude in a similar way I did this morning. And this time with the words of a 19th century Christian poet who wrote a piece called Workmen of God. And part of it reads as follows. Workmen of God, oh, lose not heart, but learn what God is like. And in the darkest battlefield, you shall know where to strike. Oh, blessed is he to whom is given the instinct that can tell that God is on the field when he is most invisible. Yes, indeed, God is on the field. And even though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. It takes wisdom to believe this to be true, and it takes wisdom to understand the implications Well, let us not doubt, but glorify God in the midst of trials with a single-minded affection. Amen.